Did you know that in 2016, you and I could be visiting over a cup of coffee and you could say, hey, Coop, we should be health and wellness coaches. And then we could simply give each other a high five. The high five wasn't required either, by the way. Walk out the door and start calling ourselves a health and wellness coach. Or a wellness company could hire nice people, put them in a call center with a script, and then tell employers they offered health and wellness coaching. There were no standards. That all changed in 2017. Welcome to the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute, and today's guest is Leanne Webster, the Executive Director of the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching, or NBHWC, which brought standards of practice, a code of ethics, and more to the world of health and wellness coaching. She is the only person in our 180-plus episode history to join us on three separate occasions. Yes, she and the timely insights she has to share are that important. If you're looking to pursue the MBHWC-approved Catalyst Coaching Institute Health and Wellness Coach Certification, you just missed our August training, but you still have one more chance this year. Our October program both puts you on track to meet the MBHWC deadline, if that's the route you're planning to go on, and you can beat the registration cost increase that's happening later this year. You can find all the details at catalystcoachinginstitute.com or reach out to us anytime. We'll set up some time to talk. The email is results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com institute.com. Happy to chat about any of the questions you have about how it fits with your career, what the process is, all those kinds of things. Now, let's pull back the curtain on all things coaching with MBHWC Executive Director Leanne Webster on the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. All right. Well, Leanne Webster, our very first three-time guest in our 180-episode streak here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brad. I'm really happy to be here with you. Thank you. Now, we'll we'll try to kind of mix and match. You, you've been on here twice. It, we haven't had huge changes since the, the MBHWC kicked in. So we want to do some review and then some what's the latest type thing. Why don't we sure. set the stage? Why was it important initially to establish the National Board for the, the exam process and the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching in the first place? So if you look back to the beginning of the industry, um, which would have been the early 2000s, the industry was really growing, but there were no training and education standards in place. So essentially anybody could call themselves a health and wellness coach and they still can, but now we have a way to differentiate, right? Right. Right. Between training and no training. Um, So I think it was just really important to establish training and education standards so that the industry can grow in the right way and so that people who become health and wellness coaches can actually obtain jobs, obtain respect, not just with the public, but also in healthcare with physicians and nurses and, you know, allied health professionals. Um, And also we we really uh, needed schools to, you know, come on board mm-hmm. and to support training and education standards. So, yeah. and, and it's so important. We have emphasized that over and over and it's, we are so happy that you guys have done this. What, what's been the response to the national board certification by coaches? And then I want to ask you about the public too, but first of all, from coaches, what, what are you hearing? Has that changed since 2017? What, what's going on out there on the coaching front? So I would say with coaches, we're, we're definitely gaining momentum. Um, we, we still have a lot of outreach to do on our end because, you know, we're doing something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of fun funding yeah. essentially. Right. And, and you need that funding to have the outreach. 
So we definitely still need to put more time and effort into outreach because if I'm being completely honest, um, on a daily basis, I'll receive an email or a Facebook message from a coach who says, I didn't know this existed. You know, <gasps> Really? Still today? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So interesting. Absolutely. And so I would say when people learn that we exist, they are very excited and very supportive and passionate and they want to come on board. Um, it is a process, though, for some coaches because there are some coaches who you know, have identified as a health and wellness right. coach, but have no training. So they have to start and build from there. Um, but I would say overall, um, the community is very excited about the fact that there are training and education standards. And I also think it's really led to more confidence in the coach. No question. Zero. Yeah. Qu I love that last statement. There's, we see that constantly. So let's step back to the coaches for a second. What about the person who, they really don't know what they're doing, frankly. I'm going to step on some toes here, but they're really good at social media and they are just nailing it. And they're like, I'm coach Brad and I'm out here doing this stuff. And, and, and you're looking at it going, dude, like you don't have, you don't even know what intrinsic motivation is. You've never heard of motivational interviewing. What, how, and yet they're making good money. They're doing their thing. People love them. They're calling them coach Brad or coach Jane or whatever. I, I, are you getting pushback from those people saying, you guys are jerks, you're messing me up. Like, like what, what are you hearing from that group? Yeah, I don't really hear that. Like, I don't really hear that we're messing them up, but they not, they may not necessarily be fully supportive of going in the direction of becoming board certified. Um, I think that that's a challenge for us. Yeah. It's always going to be a challenge for us if there's not licensure, right. And licensure happens state by state. Mm -hmm. And I can't really say that we're going in that direction of licensure, but I think that what is happening is I see a lot of um, employers who are now requiring yes. or requesting the board certification. So I think we have to look at, well, how will employers react? How will insurance companies react in the future? And, and maybe it will take care of itself. But I think we're always going to have those outliers who are very successful on social media and, and frankly, I see it as my role to actually befriend them and, and support them in, in a, a positive way mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. also educating them about, hey, look, Potential. this is also what's happening over right. here right. and you might want to consider it. Right. Well, so. and maybe it's different between short-term and long-term form. Maybe they can stay successful for the next two or three years but they probably can't five years from now. They probably can't 10 years from now. So if they're seeing this as just a flash in the pan, we're going to be done. I'm, I'm moving on to something else later. I'm going to law school. I'm going to physical therapy school, med school, whatever. Yeah. But if they're looking at this for five plus years, I don't know. I don't see it working because you're right. We do not even talk to coaches to join us corporate wellness unless they're nationally board certified. Yeah. So I think the employers, hopefully everyone's doing that. And we can move that in that direction. So. Yeah. And it's also comes down to more outreach on our part. And it's, you know, it's not just outreach to employers, but it's also outreach to human resource leaders mm, too, right? Good. Because they're often the ones who are kind of navigating this right. within their um, business, the place of employment. And, and are you talking HR directors for companies like U.S. Corporate Wellness or companies like, uh, Joe's bait shop that wants to start a wellness program and is looking for a nationally board certified coach 
or both? I would say more like the Googles, the Apples, Mm -hmm. right? Like some of the larger organizations that are starting to bring health and wellness coaches on staff or starting to really make wellness a priority for their employees. So, so on a little bit of a larger scale, because I think if we can reach the masses, right? So the, the larger companies, then eventually it's going to trickle down to more knowledge for the smaller companies. And, and you're thinking Google is not starting a bait shop. <laughs> well, you know, if they do, then there might be some very successful fishermen. Probably will be. Yes. Our daughter-in-law works for Google. So we'll, I'll check out that uh, possibility. So how about the public? We, you've, you've talked kind of about the public with employers, is there another category over there that I'm missing in terms of what people are saying or maybe future health and wellness coaches that are hearing about this or where does that take you? So when I refer to the public, I I'm referring to anybody who would hire a health and wellness coach. So one of the, one of the things that we've seen um, in terms of our demographics with our coaching community of 5,000 national board certified health and wellness coaches is that there's about 50% who are employed, but there's a whole other 50% 50% who are entrepreneurial, right? And and who want to work with the public. And so I believe that we have a to continue to have a big job in front of us, which is to educate the millions and millions of people, um, particularly here in the United States, that there is now a training and education standard for the field and that the um, that education, training and assessment is is demonstrated or shown through obtaining the board certification, right? So I think we have to just educate people that this credential matters and it exists Mm -hmm. in the first place and you need to be watching for it. So, um, you know, the media is a big, big help in that, right? So the more outreach I do with media, the more articles get published and the more the NBC HWC credential is mentioned and then people say, oh, okay, so in fact, there was a, uh, I don't know if you saw this this morning, but um, we have a coach who's board certified who uh, just uh, got a, um, it's going to be a column in Forbes. Nice. Beautiful. And so it's all about health coaching. And, um, you know, she cites the board certification and, you know, that'll, that'll really help educate people outside of our right. tight community. Right, right. Excellent. Uh, you mentioned, especially here in the U.S., so that sparked a thought. What's going on internationally? I know there's groups like the U.K. Health Coaches. Uh, are there other groups that y'all are kind of integrating with? Or are you saying, wait a minute, let's, let's kind of figure out the U.S. and then we'll partner? Or is it simultaneous? What's going on at that front? It's simultaneously. It's happening simultaneously for sure. Um, there are definitely a lot of I'd say governmental leaders in other countries or health coach organizations in other countries who are reaching out to us for guidance. And so I regularly meet with um, people from other countries. So not necessarily the coaches, though we, we have coaches from over 30 countries who are now board certified. Um, But I'm talking about like some of the, the leaders in the field with healthcare organizations, um, hospital systems, or even in some some cases, government, um, just talking with them. Uh, So we have a lot going on in South America right now. Mm. In fact, uh, a few months ago, I talked um, for, it was a symposium in Brazil. Um, There's a lot going on in Mexico, um, definitely Australia, New Zealand, the UK. Um, 
Scotland and Ireland, Finland. So I'm wow. seeing it. Yeah. I'm kind of seeing it everywhere. It's actually really fun. Oh, Arabic countries. Is that um, right? Interesting. Very much so. Yeah. Um, so it's really fun. And one of our objectives is to kind of bring the world together. Um, if you look at our uh, vision statement, it's a world where all people thrive. Nice. So um, I'd like to start holding international forums so people can learn about some of the challenges that other people are facing in other countries or so that we can connect people in right. their respective countries. I love oh, that. I yeah, Canada's big. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Big. That's big. Yeah, <laughs> get mad at me if I didn't. Make exactly. It. Hello. Uh, yeah. Well, well, hopefully this will help because we've got a lot of listeners in Australia, Canada, Europe. So maybe that'll nudge that, and and we'll encourage folks to reach out to the NBHWC for that. What what has surprised you? What are some of the things that have surprised you about this move towards national certification? That as you were getting ready to go into it, you, you're like, "What? Are you kidding me? What's how did this? What's going on here?" Oh man, <laughs> we can go as long as you want on this one. Uh, I think the thing that is most surprising to me is how hard it is. Yes. It's just really hard. It's really hard to do something that's never been done before. I often think about like pioneers who are traveling West in wagons and I'll think, God, that's us, you know, cause yeah. it's like, we're coming on to new frontier. We have no idea you know, what the next issue might be, um, could be from a coach or a program, right? You, you have no idea. There's just something, something every day that's new. Um, and I think also the workload, like just the workload for our board of directors and our staff and me, um, and just like how many details there are trying wow. to do something that's never been done before. Right. And I know you're a triathlete. I'm a triathlete. And I draw on that um, endurance on a daily basis just to keep going because yeah. it's it's just really, really hard. Yeah. And I think also it's that the answers aren't always there. Right. right? Well, it's the pioneer thing you talked about. It, yeah. it's, it's new. It's not like, well, what's yeah. what's the manual say? There's not a yeah. manual. You're creating the yeah. manual. We are the manual. Yes. So a lot of times it's like, oh, wow. OK, we need to bring together an ethics and legal committee. We need, we need a digital health committee. We need, you know, we got to find the experts who can come together and make the right decisions. And so I find that to be somewhat challenging, right? Because, um, because, you know, like you've got to find these people and then make sure that they're making the right decision and, and bringing it all forward. So that would be my answer. That makes sense. Um, one of the things I think was genius, and I don't know who's responsible for it, but to partner with the National Board for Medical Examiners, when we heard that w- at Catalyst Coaching Institute, we were just like, yeah, this is perfect. Way to go. How did that come to be? Was there a debate about that? Was it a give? It, like, walk us through that process. And then what's it been like working with the MBME? Oh, sure. Um, so, it all started actually um, with, a, I guess you could say, a mutual friend. Um, uh, it was someone who was consulting with them and consulting with us. And he suggested that um, uh, he actually, he founded um, Healthy Kitchens, Healthy Lives. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, it's a conference that happens at the Culinary Institute in Napa. Um, he, uh, Dr. David Eisenberg. Um, he, uh, he, 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 said, you guys need to meet. Um, and so we, we did, 
And our board started talking with their leadership team. And um, it was... Uh, let, let me pause just for a second, because yeah. you and I are speaking up here, and I should have introduced it better. The National Board for Medical Examiners, oh, everybody, this is yeah. who we're utilizing or who the MBHWC is utilizing to, to process the exam, to, to hold the exam, to uh, proctor the exam, et cetera. And that's the same organization that does the licensure for physicians, for example. So with that, sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. No, and actually, I'll add to that. So they board certify physicians, right? And it's an organization that's been around for more than 100 years. Yeah, perfect. And so um, so anyway, we started talking. Um, I, I believe it was about um, oh, a year-ish of negotiations. And then we we you know signed a memorandum of understanding. We like to say we got engaged and <laughs> got married a couple years later. Um, we birthed the exam first before we got <laughs> married, which was kind of interesting. But um yeah, you know, I actually really enjoy working with the MBME. Um, they have a team who helps um, essentially uh, process the applications and and then um, proctor the exam. We proctor it actually through Prometric, but the you know they're connected to them. Um, but also, what I what I really like about them is that they're experts in exam. Um, creation and delivery. And then we have the subject matter experts on our side. Right. And so, and they've got an editorial team Mm. too. And then we have the item writers. And so, and for those who don't know what an item writer is, an, an item is a test question, right? So we have people who are subject matter experts, experts in the field of health and wellness coaching, who um, write test questions. Mm -hmm. And then those test questions go to the editorial team at the National Board of Medical Examiners so that they are written in a way that's uh, fair and um, comprehensive and follows a a certain standard regarding test writing. Right, right. Yeah, so. Which you and I wouldn't know, yeah. Yeah, it's a good team, and um, I work with them on a daily basis. I just, I love the fact that you guys went that route. Um, what's the typical pass rate for the exam and kind of follow up to that? How do you see the exam evolving over time since it started and then maybe over the next few years? So pass rate first, and then how's it going to change? So of the people who have sat for the exam, we've delivered the exam seven times, um, between 78 to 82% okay. of people who've sat for the exam have passed the exam. And I think that's consistent um, with things like physical therapy, license exam, occupational therapy, nursing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty consistent. Yeah. So we feel really good about that. Um, in terms of where the exam is headed in the future, as of right now, we're not planning to make any changes. Um, we have, you know, several different forms. So a form is the actual exam, right? Cause you can't, you can't be delivering the same form right. to, you know, every examinee sure. because you would have the risk of, right. uh, there's a problem there. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Um, which this is part of why MBME is so important, right? Because they really understand like right. how do you create fair, right. equal forms. Right. Um, so right now we're not planning to change anything, but you know, one of the things that we've talked about moving into the future that if it's, you know, financially feasible, would be uh, some sort of live practical exam. That would be great. You know? but, but, but for now, we're not doing anything. No changes are, are being made. Um, and that 
that live practical assessment, which for, for anyone who might be a test taker, that's a live oral exam to test your coaching skills. Um, that is one of the requirements that we have for our approved training programs. So they actually deliver a practical skills assessment to their students before those students graduate, graduate and then are eligible for our exam. Uh, it's so important. I, I know that's a big part of the catalyst exam and, and going through the rubric and all those kinds of things. But yeah. um, without that, I mean, it's coaching. It's not, you're, exactly. you're not in a lab. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. If that's not there, you're, you're in trouble. So speaking of that, that log of 50 coaching sessions, this won't make sense to anybody, but the folks that are getting ready for the exam, but you've got to have 50 coaching sessions. Some of the, and we have advice we give our students, but what would you tell them in terms of how do do I get 50 coaching sessions? Now it's a lot easier than it sounds and I'll let you walk them through that. But what ideas do you have for the coaches listening to this that are thinking about, they saw that requirement and they're like, I don't know how I do that. Yeah. It's actually not that hard. And I say this from experience. So just so everybody knows, I um, went through the well coach training program in 2007. Um, I also went through real balances program in 2018, just as my own personal refresher. Um, But back in 2007, in order to get the certificate that I wanted, even though the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching didn't exist, I I still wanted that certificate of completion. Um, I had to do a certain number of coaching sessions. And so what I did was reach out to all my family and friends and ask them, I, I created a message. So I, I had something written up and I said, you know, I'm looking for people that I don't know that I can work with who would like to work with a health coach. And I sent that out to everyone I knew and asked them to send it out to people they knew that didn't know me. And I had a full plate by the end of the day. So uh, many of those people ended up continuing to be my client for quite some time. And to this day, I don't think there's any one of them that I don't keep in touch with. Wow. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah. And, and folks, it really is easy because it's also not 50 different people. It's 50 right. sessions yep. that can be broken up into a number of different things. And and for those of you who are listening to this and you're saying, you know, Brad, you mentioned coaching once in a while, but this is kind of the first time I've taken a deep dive. It's amazing. If you have a coach reach out to, or, uh, to you or a potential coach, try it because I think you'll be stunned by the outcome of not a five hour conversation, 20, 30 minutes can really truly be life changing. We, we do a coach to coach program within our company and, and it's always fun to me when I talk to a coach, I should know this stuff. Like, and that's the thing we know the stuff, but putting that into your life, that's a different question. That's a different approach. And that's where the coaching is so powerful. So, uh, that's fun. I think also, you know, people say, why, why do I have to do this? This sounds so hard. But I say, you know, it actually is an art to totally. have a deep conversation with somebody about yes. their life and this personal stuff that they're experiencing. Right. And you as the coach have to get comfortable being in that space and essentially get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? right. right. And it only happens if you practice so we're actually doing you a favor right. because we're forcing you to practice right. before you sit for the exam. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So billing insurance. I know the coaches out there are going, Brad, ask that question. Ask that question. Where are we at? So where are we at with the billing insurance as coaches? And I always tell people, be careful what you ask for because those of us who come out of healthcare, you know very well, it's not always the, the cat's meow to be able to bill for insurance. But with that said, 
where are we at? How are things looking yeah. going forward? Yeah. So um, in 2019, um, we in partnership with the VA, the Veterans Administration, um, were able to obtain category three CPT codes for health and wellness coaching. So um, for those of you who don't know what a category three code is, um, uh, they're basically codes that they're introductory codes, right, into the system. The system is regulated by the American Medical Association, which we refer to as the AMA. So When a a service or procedure receives a category three code, the objective is essentially to show data as a result of the use of the code that this, in this case, this service is widely used through all demographics in all regions of the United States. Okay. That data is then used in the future to apply for a category one code. Category one codes in healthcare have a reimbursable value attached to them. So where we're at right now is that we do have a category. We have category three codes for health and wellness coaching. They refer to it in the code manual as health and well-being coaching. The same thing. And we are um, currently in the process of gathering the data that will be used to create a report that will essentially attach with our application for category one codes. Um, We are uh, in the very final stages. And when I say very final, I mean, I'm just waiting for one signature. Um, Let me get that for you. Yeah. A contract (laughs) with UCSD. So um, the university of California system, um, we're going to be partnered with UCSD and they're going to essentially house all that data for us. And so once we get that signature, which should be any day, um, then likely in August, we'll be able to launch um, this whole data collection project. So we'll be doing a lot of outreach to um, not only our 5,000 board certified coaches, but also anybody who's a certified health educator, right? Because they're also listed in the code. And we'll be doing major outreach to make sure that anybody who can use the code and this would be somebody who currently is working in healthcare, has access to an electronic health record management system, right? So if you can use the code, we're going we're gonna to walk you through how to use that code. We may be working with the billing specialist or sure. the coding specialist. And anyway, we're going to get that data and then we're going to use it and we're going to apply for the category one codes within the next, I'd say, 18 months to two years. Okay. So uh, we could be talking 2023. We may have some perhaps. significant Im- changes. Perhaps, yeah. Okay. And then, so that's what's happening on that end. But I also like to bring the other side in because I think this is very important information for the entrepreneurial coach. Cause there are a lot of coaches out there who say, I don't want to work. Yeah, totally. I don't want to be employed in yep. healthcare. Yep, they may yep. want to work with a physician. They may want to partner mm-hmm. with, with physicians or health, allied health professionals, but they may not want to work in a healthcare setting. For those coaches, um, we also have been working with the legal team who has reached out to the IRS. So the, believe it or not, the IRS is involved in this because they oversee um, health savings accounts. Okay, mm. So health savings accounts are one way that people can, in the future, pay for health and wellness coaching. So our goal is to get the IRS to essentially list the health and wellness coach as a service that can be used for somebody's HSA 
account. So we've already submitted all that paperwork. Our legal team feels this is very promising and hopeful. And really, it's just a matter of hearing back from the IRS, and then we'll get that in motion and be able to really help people. That's a big deal on both sides. For the employee, that's, and obviously I'm prejudiced, but I can't think of a single thing that would be on that list that would be more valuable. It's almost like coaching would be the glue for everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like do the coaching to figure out where else to spend your HSA money, because this will help you get your arms around where your life's going, what you want to do. Wow. That's great news. I feel very hopeful about that. I really do. And, you know, we now have a taxonomy code for health and wellness coaches, which I, I like to, um, explain that as it's like your own personal social security number in the healthcare system. Okay. And so, you know, down the road for coaches who want to use those HSA accounts, um, they'll want to get that taxonomy code and, um, you know, all they have to do is Google it and right. they'll figure out how to do it. Okay. And we don't have a timeline on that because IRS, they don't say it's going to be it's six months up. or 18 months or whatever. We, I think the application that we submitted was in uh, December of 2020. Okay. So, I mean. But they haven't given you we've any done, We've done what we can do. Right, and, right. and actually just talking about this makes me want to um, get off. When we get off, I'll, <laughs> I'll bug our attorneys and say, hey, any word What's on What's going that? on? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. That's super exciting. Um, all right. So, what do you recommend to people that are curious about health and wellness coaching, but they, they don't know a lot about it? Maybe they've been listening to this podcast because they heard – Ryan Hall was on or Wendy Wood or, you know, somebody like that. And they're like, well, I'll go ahead and listen to this one. And I think, wait, wait, what is this wellness coaching thing? What, what would you recommend for that person? So is that person, someone from the public or is yeah, that person from the public? Wants- okay. From the public. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would I recommend? I would recommend that if they're, um, you know, wanting to make some positive changes in their life that are related to their health and well being, which pretty much as any change, right? Um, that they should definitely consider hiring a national board certified health and wellness coach. And um, at the very least, at least hire somebody with proven credentials, right? So I, I say that because there are many coaches out there who perhaps have gone to Catalyst or one of our other approved programs and maybe you know, on the road to board certification, mm-hmm. but they're not mm-hmm. yet there. Right. And I don't want to, I don't want to take those people out of this. Exactly. Right. So I think the main thing for the consumer, if they're thinking about hiring a coach is really pay attention to credentials because yes. credentials actually matter. Yeah. I think that's fantastic advice. That's exactly what we say too. They may not be nationally board certified yet, but are yeah. they aware of it? Are they on the road to it? Do they have a yeah. timeline that they'll be wrapping up in September? Well, that that's a great person to hire. The person who says, what do you mean national board exam? That's not the great person to hire. Yeah. Be careful there. Yeah. Um, how about the coach who is hearing you or the, not the coach, the potential coach, the person who yeah. says not, I want to hire somebody, but oh my gosh, this lady's so interesting. I think this sounds cool. What do I do? And, and we'll have a link to the MBHWC website. So that's an obvious starting point, but anything else that they should be kicking around in that thought process? Yeah, I think there'd be a, a couple, I mean, one of the most obvious would be like, if, if you're going to go to a health coach school, choose one that's approved by the national yeah. board for health and wellness coaching, because it opens your options right. for the future. Right. right. So 
we talk to people all the time who uh, haven't attended an approved school and, and we do they're too. bummed. Right. They're, they're like, and oh, so, no, I got to start over. Yeah, Are you kidding get, me? Get, get yourself on the right path. The other thing that I would actually tell uh, somebody who's considering the profession is really do some deep thought before you go into it and figure out if, um, one, if you can get comfortable being uncomfortable sometimes because you have to have a lot of, you know, conversations with people that are, are very hard conversations. Are you a people person? You know, do, do you mind sitting with somebody and really helping them navigate their way through their own life? I think people need to, really reflect on that and not just jump on the bandwagon because it's a popular profession right now. Right. So, yeah. Well, and as you were saying that I was thinking, and do they know how to shut up? Because a great coach, I I think a lot of us come into this thinking, well, I'm going to share all my knowledge about exercise or sleep or nutrition or, or whatever. And that's great that you've got that, but in essence, the key is doing this, helping them figure it out. So, um, yeah, that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. So a, real quick, yeah, yeah. acronym for that, which to, to make yourself be quiet yeah. and it's wait, W A I T. Why am I talking? Susanna uses that in the training. Absolutely. We love that one. So you guys all hear that W A I T. Why am I talking? It's probably good advice for me as the interviewer too. Um, so what's the difference between a life coach and health and wellness coach? We get this question all the time. I've got an answer, but I'd love to hear what the true expert has to say about life coach, health and wellness coach, how they differ, how they overlap. Yeah. So I think that, um, the biggest difference really is that in the training for health and wellness coaching, um, we have a portion called healthy lifestyles and that's when the coach really learns about, um, health related topics, right? Blood, blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, um, and, and really understands that Mm -hmm. so that should, let's say a physician were to have a patient and the physician said, you know, I really think you should work with a health coach. Um, we, we, we want that coach to really understand some of the issues that are going on with the patient, right? So that if they're talking about their diabetes or blood pressure or lack of exercise, you know, how, how can the coach make sure that that patient is moving forward in a safe way? Right. So, so I would say that it's the knowledge of health that makes a health coach different than a life coach. Okay. That's not to put the life coach down in any way. It's just that a health coach definitely has that more specific knowledge. Okay. That makes sense. And that ties into my next question about scope of practice. I, I, I think that's one of the huge changes in our profession is that that exists now. It did not exist in 2016. Can you talk through the scope of practice a little bit and, and how would you explain that to folks that are maybe hearing about this for the first time? Yeah. So that's a really good question. I mean, I always encourage people to really read through the, the scope of practice document that we have so that they really understand that, you know, uh, health coaching is not prescriptive. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. We are not therapists. We are not psychologists or psychiatrists. 
We don't prescribe medication. Um, <clears throat> we help, we partner with people to navigate through their own life. Um, we don't write out diet plans or meal plans. And, and so I think that it's really on the coach to understand not only what the scope of practice is and what they are not, but also to um, look up their state laws mm. because every state regulates this different. And um, I just like to make sure that coaches really understand that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and folks, you've got to check this out. That's not just a Leanne saying, you know, it wouldn't be bad if you, you've got to be aware of this. It's so, so important. And coaches aren't getting in trouble very often, but when they do, it's usually because they're outside of scope of practice. So um, job opportunities, you've talked a little bit about, I was fascinated when you said about 50% entrepreneurial and about 50% employed. Uh, what do you see in terms of the job prospects? Maybe a little bit on both fronts. Yeah. So, um, in terms of like employers hiring health coaches. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or just anything that health coaches could be doing if they decide to go that route with their career. Uh, anything they could be doing. Well, I think if they're thinking about becoming employed, I think um, obviously getting, getting a fantastic resume in place yeah. would help. Right. I, I think uh, res people are getting a lot more creative with their resumes and um, that's really interesting. Also, I think just really paying attention to what's happening in the industry, mm. right? So for example, I was reading, um, and I actually listened to the podcast. Uh, um, it was Outside Magazine was interviewing uh, Tim Cook. Okay. From Apple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, his whole vision for the future is centered on wellness. Okay, you've got to pay attention to that stuff. Right. Like, I think if you're going to be, uh, in the health and wellness coaching industry, and you really want to secure an awesome job, pay attention, pay attention to what some of the leaders in terms of like company leaders are doing in our country and, and just start understanding the landscape of all of it and where it's heading. What is, how is, you know, what's going on with digital health right now? Um, what's going on in healthcare? Who's the American medical association? So that when you show up to whatever interview it is, you actually potentially have more knowledge than the person interviewing you, you know? So I would say, yeah, just network, understand the landscape. Don't, don't be afraid to ask people, you know, if you could set up a one-on-one -on -one phone call with them just to learn more. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. always impressed when people say, can I just talk to you for 15 minutes? And right. I say, yes. Right. Yes, I want Almost to always. You. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing how many people will do that because yeah. nobody asks. It, right. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and five thousand MBHWC certified folks now. Where do you see that going? The next are there projections? Obviously, it was heavy up front. Um, do we think we're going to see five hundred a year, a thousand a year? Any general yeah. guesstimates on that? Yeah, I mean, our our goal would be about. To, to if we could grow at a rate of about 2000 a year. Wow. Right. That would be, that would be great. Um, uh, I can tell you right now we're in the middle of an exam application window. Yes, so we are. <laughs> it closes in two weeks and um, we've had uh, well over a thousand registered oh, for this exam coming wow. up in October. So we've far exceeded our goal for the year. 
Um, so it seems to be going in the right direction. I also think that um, with COVID, you know, people are just more aware of their health mm-hmm. and uh, people are making career changes. Yeah. I mean, I've read a lot of articles yeah. about people just saying, you know, I, I'm going to do what I've always wanted. So we have a lot of people coming into the industry right now. And I think that it will take time to train them up to where they need to be before they're eligible to sit for the exam. So, you know, we could, we could see a little dip, but I, I don't, I don't think if we do see a dip, I don't think it's a long-term dip. I think it's just take going to take time to kind of get everybody to where they need to be, to yeah. be eligible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I feel hopeful about the future. You know, yeah, we do too. It was super going. exciting. And and the more yeah. credibility these things have, the 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 broader the opportunities are gonna be for everybody. Yep. All right, so wrap up question. Anything I have not asked, what should I have asked? What are you like? Why hasn't he not asked this question that oh would help people out there? Either employers trying to figure this out, coaches trying to figure out next steps. Or future coaches that are saying, I'm looking for more advice. Oh, boy. Um, you get any or all of those. You hit everything. You hit the CQT <laughs> codes. You hit employment. You hit the importance of standards. Um, I think one thing you didn't ask was, you know, who's on our board? Who's there on our go. board of directors? Yeah, that sounds um, great. Because I think that matters, right? Yes, it because does. We are a nonprofit. I think... That's another thing. We actually didn't, we didn't touch on the fact that we are a nonprofit. Um, we are a 501c6 and uh, <clears throat> we're overseen by a board of directors. So that board of directors is, is really interesting because they're subject matter experts. Um, and then some of them also come from approved training programs mm-hmm. that have uh, been in the industry for a very long time. So they understand the entire landscape. Um, but then we also have like a, or actually we have two physicians who are on our board, which is awesome. And then we have a couple members, um, from the national board of medical examiners who are on our board. So, yeah. So I think that's the only thing we didn't talk about. And, um, you know, I always like to give a shout out to this team because they again are doing something that's never been done before and they don't operate like a typical board, which might be the expectation might be one to three hours a month. Right. For them, it's hours and hours and right. hours a month to right. get this airplane. Right. Well, it's already in flight. We just have to. We got to keep it up there. Yeah. 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 No, that's huge. I'm glad you mentioned that. They are doing great work and they're doing it on their own time in the midst yeah. of everything else they have going. So that was a, a valuable shout out. Well, Leanne, as always, so fun. Great stuff. Really appreciate it. We'll have links to the MBHWC website so folks can follow up on that. But thank you for joining us. This is great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's fun. Thanks for tuning in to the number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. A huge thank you to Leanne Webster for joining us for the third time. We are so grateful. She kind of comes on and gives us a, an annual update on the state of health and wellness coaching, and it's always so valuable. If you're looking for additional information, please feel free to reach out to us, results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com, or there are plenty of additional resources on the website. It's catalystcoachinginstitute.com anytime. Next week's episode... It's a hidden gem. And we've dug into the archives and pulled out one of our most popular episodes of all time. Dr. Mark Matson of Johns Hopkins, who is the most revered expert in the world on the subject of intermittent fasting. There's a lot of baloney, a lot of junk out there on this topic. And this evidence-based approach 
has clearly been a hit with listeners. Now it's time to be a catalyst on this journey of life, the chance to make a positive difference in this world while simultaneously improving our own lives, which is the essence of being a catalyst. This is Dr. Bradford Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute. Make it a great rest of your week, and I'll speak with you soon on the next episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over at youtube.com slash coaching channel.